views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, my family, recovery family, all of you who uh, are in recovery, should be in recovery, <laughs> and are tuning in, advocates and the like. Welcome to Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with uh, Chris Schroeder and myself. And Chris is uh, coming to us all the way from, tell us exactly where you are, Chris. Uh, Bedminster, New Jersey, all the way on the East Coast. And how how is it over there? I mean, you guys have really dealt with a lot this year, huh? Well, we have a, we have a little bit of a, a little bit of weather situation. We're gonna we're gonna get some snow, not a whole lot, yeah, but just just enough to mess up the roads for the next two or three days, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, you know, other than that, I think uh, spring is almost here. So yeah. I'm looking forward for that. Well, good, good. All right, for for those of you who have never tuned in before, what we're doing here is uh, you you are you get you have the privilege. <laughs> Actually, it's us that have the privilege to uh, tune in while we are developing uh, yet another workshop. And this time, it, it it's uh, walking through the twelve steps and twelve traditions. And uh, uh, Chris is taking us through that. You you may have. Uh, uh, Listen to some of uh, Walking Through the Big Book. If you haven't, check it out on our web- website. Uh, that is also available in DVD audio format uh, as well. And this will be coming to you in that form too uh, if you want to get that DVD later on. But uh, for now, you can listen to these shows uh, here at Take12Radio.com. So, Chris, where are we at today? Well, we're on step nine uh, tonight, Monty, which is a very, very powerful step. Step nine is one of those steps where, you know, let's let's say you're first exposed to the 12 steps. Most of the people that are first exposed to the 12 steps are exposed by the window shades. You know what I mean by the window shades. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some crazy reason, uh, the 12 steps and the 12 traditions uh, are available on these shades that you pull down, just like a, like the, like a window shade. Right. And they're available in treatment centers and detoxes and 12-step meeting rooms and, and uh, uh, you know, different clubhouses and church basements. And you'll see these things, and that's usually the first time you'll be exposed to the 12 steps. And you'll, you'll start reading them, and, you know, you, you, won't, you won't really understand why that would be uh, a recovery process or so important. Uh, but when you get to steps eight and then you get to steps nine, it's, it's like, uh, like, what? <laughs> you know, it almost seems like an overreaction. What in the world would uh, apologizing or trying to set things right, <clears throat> what, what, why in the world would that be helpful to me? Uh, that's usually the first thing that you think about. Uh, so I remember the first time I was exposed to uh, to the steps. I was in uh, I was in an outpatient uh, uh, treatment, 
what happened was uh, I got myself a DUI, and part of the uh, the DUI punishment was you had to do eight uh, outpatient sessions and, and eight 12-step meeting sessions. And so, I, you know, I paid my money, and I started going to this, uh, this, this crazy outpatient. And that's where I was first exposed to the 12 steps. And like, you know, like most people, uh, it's, it's not, you, your reaction isn't, oh, oh, wow, I, you know, I get it, that's fantastic, <laughs> those 12 things, those 12 things are exactly what I was looking for, you know, it's, it's, yeah. never, it's never like that, it's, it's always, well, you know, that, that seems like it's a nice, nice thought, you know, and I would agree with that in theory, uh, but I have I have no idea why you think that me doing those things is going to help me. It's not, and uh, and that's usually what our reaction is when we first see the steps. Right, right. So anyway, uh, when we get to step nine, uh, it, it's it's one of the most important steps I believe for recovery. One of the things that I've noticed with alcoholics and I've noticed with, uh, with those uh, who suffer from any kind of addictive illness is they're, they're usually sensitive people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're nice, quiet people. It just means that they're emotionally sensitive. And what happens is, is that the behavior that revolves around addiction or alcoholism can get... Uh, uh, abhorrent. It can it can really get uh, self centered and uh, sometimes abusive, sometimes illegal. You know, it, it can it can border on the antisocial. Sure. And what happens is what happens is is when when we do things that go kind of against our inherent conscience, what will happen is we will suffer from guilt. We'll suffer from shame will suffer from remorse. Uh, we, we know that we're not living up to uh, uh, our morals. We know that we've been taught better than this, yet, yet this is how we're behaving. So we, we suffer from uh, guilt, shame, and remorse, and we need to start figuring out how to shield ourselves from that, you know, how to, how to justify that we were actually right, how, how to change the story about what we've done in our head so that it's not so uh, glaringly uh, uh, bad as far as, you know, what, what, our, what our behavior was like or what our part was like. Mm-hmm. So we suffer from a whole ton of that stuff. You know, I, I remember when, when, I, when I first got sober, Monty, I, I, I really had a self-esteem that was... Uh, there was basically that I believed I was a scumbag. Uh, I, I believed that, you know, I let people down when they needed me. I believed that, uh, you know, I would become violent at the wrong times. I, you know, uh, this was my experience. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's, what I, that's what I believed. That's who I believed I was. And it was, you know, it was really, really a bad deal. You know, so, some of the first uh, exercises that they wanted to have you do in uh, in the treatment centers was to do a life story, and they, they wanted you to examine, uh, you know, some of this stuff, some some of the unmanageable behavior, some of uh, some of the bad behavior, and they wanted you to examine it to really look at, 
just how far you've gone over the line and how many times. Now, that's all good. That's great information to know. But knowing it, and even, you know, even uncovering a lot about that is just going to make you feel worse. It's not going to help you recover. It's just it's like opening a wound that 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 has kind of scabbed over. And that's why it's so necessary to get to the point where you become willing to make amends to those you have harmed. And actually, I love using the word actually in front of the ninth step because so many people truly believe that they just need to apologize and believe in this step in theory. Uh, no, you you actually have to do this step. And when you start to do this step, you'll hear a really funny sound, Monty. You know what that sound sounds like? <laughs> I think I know what's coming. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the sound sounds like. Uh, you know, uh, hi, I'm here to talk to you, uh, uh, you know, about uh, about the harms that I've caused in the past. Oh, yeah. Probably not going to get over drinking unless, I, you know, I do the, do my utmost to set right the wrongs. You know, uh, can I have a few minutes of your time? And, uh, you know, that's one approach. There's many ways to make an approach, but... Um, but we actually, uh, you know, have to go out and do that. And, and why? Why might you ask? Well, it, it's that that guilt and that shame and that remorse is is a corrosive to our spirit. It's a corrosive mm. to our spiritual condition. It, 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 it will slowly deteriorate any kind of quality we have in life because we've so fallen short of our own uh, our own expectations. And the only way to truly become free of of that uh, of those those uh, negative emotional feelings of guilt, shame, and remorse is to actually go out and make amends where our character defects have caused others uh, harm. And that's that's where we are right now tonight with step nine. I I, uh, I remember the first door I had to knock on, and, and I mean the first amends I made. Uh, literally was going up to a door, and that was a scary, scary thing. Uh, but after a couple of those, uh, I don't know if I'd say it became easier. It, it I, I guess I had some more uh, more peace because I was received really well in my uh, my actually by by most people, but definitely in my first couple, I think God had a lot to do with that. Uh, it was received very well, and that. That made it a, a, a whole lot better for me to, to be able to, that cleared a path for me able to go on uh, because I, I didn't face the real hard ones at first. I was scared to death about those. Um, but, uh, you know, th- there's that other sound, too, that can happen. And that's that one of the doors slamming on you. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. But, uh, you know, I, I you know, I'm with you. You know, most of most of our experiences are are the same. We, we you know, we, we're we're very, very we have a lot of self-centered fear where it, where it concerns making amends. Now, now making amends is really what 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 good people should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if a good if a good person does something wrong, a good person tries to fix that wrong. It's what we should be doing or should have done. Yet we're we're afraid to do it because we're afraid that you know they're gonna they're they're gonna react in a way that's gonna make us feel small or you know. Most most of the time, it's it's our ego that that is blocking us from uh, feeling comfortable about going out and and making the amends. 
And and you're right. You know, sometimes you have to walk through that fear and get some experience because uh, one of the one of the promises of this step is most times you will get a generous response. Nine times out of ten, it's going to go better than you have projected it's going to go. And that's been my experience too. Uh, I'm I'm real quick to say. You know, they're going to call the police, uh, you know, <laughs> tell me how, how small I am. And and really, there's almost always uh, a generous response. I have, however, been thrown out of the office, <laughs> as it says <laughs> in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. That yeah. has happened. And, and But, you know, uh, you still get free. You still yeah. get, you know, it, it, it's, it almost doesn't matter what the reaction is. You've done your part. You've tried to mend the wrong. Uh, there's freedom in that willingness, and there's freedom in that attempt. And that's what we are looking for in step nine. We're looking to be free of the negative characteristics of our alcoholic uh, dilemma. And it's, it's, it's vitally necessary. I, I would even say this, Monty, if, if someone uh, skips step nine and, and stays sober, uh, I, I really question their alcoholism, or I question uh, their drug addiction. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, because because I suffered incredibly about every single one of the situations that I had to go back and make amends for. I suffered from them on a daily basis, a daily basis, and in, and until I cleared them up, there was no peace in my life. And if there's no peace in your life, you, you, you know. You're just you're just not going to be able to stick around. Uh, why why stick around if if you're miserable all the time? So so uh, you know again it's it's in, incredibly I believe it's incredibly important this particular step because because a, a lot of us for years were not able to lay our heads down on our pillows and go to sleep with a clear conscience and now being able to do that is just just a, a marvelous marvelous thing. No doubt, you yeah. know, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I can go anywhere, anytime without having to worry about bumping into so-and-so or, you know, getting pulled over and having them run a, a, a motor vehicle check or, <laughs> or any number of things that, you know, we all we all could worry about back in the past. So, you know, I can I can go anywhere and do anything, and there's a, there's a certain amount of freedom to that. Yep. You know. All right, step nine. We're on page 83 of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book. Step nine. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. I, I want to I stress wherever because many times, many times, if you hear this read, uh, you know, prior to, uh, prior to a meeting or something, you know, they'll say whenever. Yeah. And that, that'll be just like a, a slip of the tongue or something. Well, it isn't whenever, it's wherever. And, and wherever is a whole lot different than whenever. Whenever is something like, well, if I ever bump into them, if God ever puts them in front of my path, you know, well, that's, that's whenever. Wherever is, can you buy a plane ticket? Can you fly to Weehawken and meet, you know, Mrs. McGillicuddy? You know, if you can do it, then that's a wherever, and you need to go and do it. And and I certainly believe in face-to-face amends. If you've heard somebody face-to-face, you should be making amends to them face-to-face. Sure. There are exceptions. There are exceptions. Uh, you know, I'm okay with letters in certain circumstances. Um, 
you know, but uh, if it's if it's possible, I think I think you get the most benefit by a face to face event. And, and I th- I think uh, this this I, I understand what a living amends is. I understand that, but I think some people misinterpret that. And what they do is, well, I I I, I shoplifted from that grocery store years ago. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I take the shopping carts back from the from the parking lot every time I go shopping. That's not making amends. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 shortchanging yourself. Yeah. And, and listen, if if you if you shortchange these amends, you shortchange yourself. You short you shortchange your spiritual condition, and you you shortchange how free you are. Yep. You know, so, so don't let you know if a sponsor or a spiritual advisor is trying to give you a pass and telling you you don't need to do these amends. You best get another sponsor because they're they're hurting you more than they're helping. That's right. Uh, you you need to do these things, and here's here's some uh, good advice on them. The the best is the, in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, but uh, this particular chapter has got some some good stuff too. Good judgment, a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. These are the qualities we shall need when we take step nine. After we have made the list of people we have harmed, have reflected carefully upon each instance and have tried to possess ourselves of the right attitude in which to proceed, we will see that the making of direct amends divides those we should approach into several classes. There will be those who ought to be dealt with just as soon as we, uh, we become reasonably confident that we can maintain our sobriety. There will be those to whom we can make only partial restitution, lest complete disclosures do them or others more harm than good. There will be other cases where action ought to be deferred and still others in which, by the very nature of the situation, we shall never be able to make direct personal contact at all if someone dies dead. Most of us begin making certain kinds of direct amends from the day we join Alcoholics Anonymous. The moment we tell our families that we are really going to try the program, the process has begun. In this area, there are seldom any questions of timing or caution. We want to come in the door shouting the good news. After coming from our first meeting, or perhaps after we have finished reading the book Alcoholics Anonymous, we usually want to sit down with some member of the family and readily admit the damage we have done by our drinking. Almost always we will want to go further and admit other defects that have made us hard to live with. This will be a very different occasion, and in sharp contrast with those hangover mornings when we alternated between reviling ourselves and blaming the family and everyone else for our troubles. At this first sitting, it is necessary only that we make a general admission of our defects. It may be unwise at this stage to rehash certain harrowing episodes. Good judgment will suggest that we ought to take our time. While we may be quite willing to reveal the very worst, we must be sure to remember that we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of others. You know, uh, Monty, this is really great advice because I have seen so many times someone who wants to rush into this and just get it done so that they can they can chalk it up that they've done this step that they have uh, they, they haven't carefully considered the approach and carefully considered uh, the actual amends. I'll just give you a for instance okay one of these guys that I was working with uh, did some 13 stepping uh, for, for anybody that doesn't know what 13 stepping is it's it's if you're in a 12-step fellowship and you 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 make sexual advances and get into a, a an intimate relationship with someone who really isn't ready for it. You know they're they're still 
uh, in early recovery or they haven't gone through the steps, so they're still pretty shaken up from, you know, uh, being out there uh, drinking or, or using. And, you know, you can't do some serious damage. Well, well, this, this, this guy decided he was going to go back and, and make amends to one of the women that he, uh, that he 13 stepped. And, you know, instead of being real careful and real, uh, you know, uh, considerate, what he did was he met with her and he basically told her that I really shouldn't have gotten in a relationship with you. All I wanted was, was sex. I knew that, I, you know, I, I wasn't interested in getting in a relationship with you, and I was wrong. Now, now, can you imagine how she felt yeah. being told that? You know, and he thought he thought he was being very honest and, and very forthright, and he he really was surprised when she started crying and ran out of the coffee shop. <laughs> you know, like like we're, we're not we're we need to be really smart about this. You you know we're not we don't want to if we continue to harm people. That's probably the riskiest behavior we can have uh, in, in recovery is to continue uh, to offer up behavior, you know, to those about us that causes harm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking about a, an example I heard one time of, of a guy who, who took his friend's car and uh, he borrowed his car. And then he went out and got drunk, and he ended up wrapping around a telephone pole. And when he went to go make amends, he got so detailed about the whole thing. The guy ended up, he was madder than he was the first time. Because <laughs> he brought all this stuff up. Instead of saying, you know, I, 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 I'm asking you to forgive me and making amends. asking you to forgive me for being irresponsible with your car when, when I took it. And, you know... He just went on and on and on and on, and, and it caused more damage than than it did oh, good. Sure, yeah. it, you know, it, it was not done in a considerate way. Yeah. You know, we we really need to start becoming considerate of other people's feelings, and and a lot of times, a lot of times, people want to rush off and admit the affairs that they've had on their wives or husbands, and that that's also something that you you better move very very carefully on because. You know, it, it, it may make you feel a little bit better, uh, to be completely honest, but it, it may really, really hurt the person that you're dumping this information on. Sure. You know, so you really definitely need to be very careful. Much the same approach will apply at the officer factory. We shall at once think of, of a few people who know all about our drinking and who have been most affected by it. But even in these cases, we may need to use a little more discretion than we did with the family. We may not want to say anything for several weeks or longer. You know, think about that. You may not want to go out to everybody for several weeks or longer. <clears throat> so, so, so many people think that step nine should be done in your fifth year or something. Um, that's not what it's saying here at all. Right. First, we will wish to be reasonably certain <laughs> we are on the AA beam. Then we are ready to go to these people to tell them what AA is and what we're trying to do. Against this background, we can freely admit the damage we have done and make our apologies. We can pay or promise to pay whatever obligations, financial or otherwise, we owe. The generous response of most people to such quiet sincerity will often astonish us. Even our severest and most justified critics will frequently meet us more than halfway 
on the first trial. I, I sponsor a very, very interesting guy who, who uh, Monty, he borrowed some money from a loan shark. I mean, Uh-oh. This, this was one of the, you know, I live in New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and this, was, this was one of these guys who puts a 25% a week vig on the money, you know, and and makes it their job to get that money back and has has a couple of boys who uh, who help them uh, get that money back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he, he borrowed like 10 grand from this guy and then dropped off the face of the earth. He ended up relapsing, using it all up in drugs and disappearing out of state to some treatment center and then just kept his head low for a couple of years. Now, he comes to me and we're working, uh, we're working through this, the steps and uh, basically... You know, we're, we're talking about this because I really like to talk ab- about this stuff with my guys before they run off and do it. Yeah. Because it can be dangerous. But well, but the conclusion that we came up with, Monty, was do you want this guy to find you or should you make the first approach? Which way offers more survivability? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and he came up. Uh, he came up with the same thing I came up with, which is basically, you know what? I would rather find him than have him find me. Yeah. So he called. He called this guy up. He said, "Can I come over? I need to talk with you." The guy said, "Sure." He shows up at the guy's house, and the guy's really mad. But basically, when he does the amends, and he and he says what's going on, and yeah, I didn't pay you because I ended up in treatment, and then I didn't have any money, and. You know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to basically make this right. You tell me what I need to do, and you know what the guy did? The guy goes, "I am really blown away by you coming here." I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You're a painter. That's how you pay, make your money. You paint my house, and we're even. Wow. And this was, this was basically somebody who could have been could have been adding up the interest for two or three years. And would have, and this guy would have owed him like four million dollars. Oh, so, all the interest. Now, now, can, can you imagine? Now, that was a loan shark. That was one of these guys that break your kneecaps. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe, I believe it when they say most people, most times, you're going to get a generous response because this is basically what I've seen. That's amazing. This at- That's great. This this atmosphere of approval and praise is apt to be so exhilarating as to put us off balance by creating an insatiable appetite for more of the same. I've seen people that have done this, that they get a real rush out of making these amends, and, you know, they want more. You know, I want to do more. You have to slow them down and make absolutely sure that they're doing them, you know, in the right way. Yeah. Uh, we may be tipped over in the other direction when, in rare cases, we get a cool and skeptical reception. You know, if the first or second amends goes really bad, then then they don't want to they don't want to do it anymore. Right. Or maybe it will tempt us to tempt us to discouragement and pessimism. But if we have prepared ourselves well in advance, such reactions will not deflect us from our steady and even purpose. Prayer is so important in this. Here, here's a prayer that I've used, Monty, when I'm sitting in the car ready to go in to make an amends. And it's a breathing prayer, and it goes like this. I breathe in, God in. I breathe out, fear out. So it's God in, fear out. And I do that for about 50 times, and then I open the car door, 
and I say, I say, God, let's go. Let's go. You're with me on this. <laughs> That's and, good. Uh, you know, because because I got to tell you, sometimes sometimes I you know sometimes I get scared on these. I, I think it's probably normal, you know, sure. to to have some trepidation on some of them, but. Uh, uh, but that's that's basically have, one of the have you ever have you ever gone with a sponsee to uh for him to as support to go make amends or or no sometimes you know not a lot but but some sometimes there's been a couple of them where they were afraid of getting hurt uh or or they were afraid of getting uh getting their butt kicked yeah uh and, and I've gone with them on some of those just to just to make sure that you know um someone else is there. So it'll make it a little bit harder for the, for the guy to get punched. Uh, but, you know, uh, I don't do it a lot. I, I basically, you know, I basically instruct people to do it. But sure. in rare cases, in rare cases, I will go with them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. After taking this preliminary trial at making amends, we may enjoy such a sense of relief that we conclude our task is finished. We will want to rest on our laurels. The temptation to skip the more humiliating and dreaded meetings that still remain may be great. We will often manufacture plausible excuses for dodging these issues entirely. Or we may just procrastinate, telling ourselves that the time is not yet, when in reality we have already passed up many a fine chance to right a serious wrong. Let's not talk prudence while practicing evasion. As soon as we begin to feel confident in our new way of life and have begun, by our own behavior and example, to convince those about us that we are inclined, we are indeed changing for the better, it is usually safe to talk in complete frankness with those who have been seriously affected, even those who may be only a little or not at all aware of what we have done to them. The only exceptions we will make will be where cases where our disclosure would cause actual harm. These conversations can begin in a casual or natural way, but if no such opportunity presents itself, at some point we will want to summon up all our courage, head straight for the person concerned, and lay our cards on the table. We needn't wallow in excessive remorse uh, before those we have harmed, but a at this level should always be forthright and generous. Okay, I've, I've got to stop you here because I, I, I want to ask you a question. And I, I know because... I don't know anybody any anybody that's been a sponsor that hasn't been asked this, uh, or has somebody approached them with a thwarted way of interpreting this thing. Uh, the only exceptions we will make will be ca- cases where our disclosure would cause actual harm. There is a uh, bless their little hearts. There is a wonderful. I'm saying this tongue in cheek. Uh, <clears throat> philosophy around. Uh, except when to do so would injure them or others. And they get what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Where people will say, okay, um, if I go to this person and make amends, then I know what's going to happen. I'm going to end up in jail. I'm going to lose my job. And then there goes my family. Uh, my family doesn't have money to, to be supported by. What do I do? So I just avoid it completely. Um, or Or they're afraid they're going to get you know, killed <laughs> uh, or beat up or whatever. And they say, they say well, that means that's, that's injuring injuring me, that them or others can be interpreted as myself. Uh, what's your take on that? All right, here's my, here's my take on it. Uh, it says you have to be willing to face jail. However, you don't necessarily need to be the hasty and foolish martyr. If... If there's something that you need to make amends for and it will put you in jail or could possibly get you killed, 
and you're in a family, you need to discuss that with the family and see if it's a risk they're willing to take. Because, you know, we, we you know, families count on us. Uh, so, uh, so I can see, you know, I, I can see deferring in a situation like that if to actually make the amends is going to put you in danger and make it so you're unable to continue to support a family that needs your help. Sure. Okay. The, on the other side of that is I have heard people say, uh, them or others, and I'm others, so, you know, I was told not to do it. Here's 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 a news scoop. You are not others. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, read read an English dictionary. You are not others. If you're hurt by this, good. You know. You know what I mean. If 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 it's uncomfortable for you, good. You need you need to set right this wrong. That's more important than whether you're you know it's comfortable for you or it's going right. to cost you money. Listen, some of the people, some of the people that I hang around with have done incredible amends and have sacrificed quite a bit to set right the wrong. There, there's a guy, there's a guy in my uh, in my lineage who uh, who recognized, you know, uh, uh, somewhere along his his his, uh, his recovery that he owed a lot of financial amends over over the years. He borrowed money from his parents and his in-laws and his friends. And, and you know, uh, welched on debts and all, all kinds of stuff. Well, he was in a he was in a pretty big house, and uh, he talked it over with his wife, and they came to the conclusion that um, they should sell the house, move into a rental trailer, and take that money and pay off all the debt. And that's that's what they did. And this guy is the is one of the freest guys you'll ever hear talk in your life. He's 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 absolutely remarkable. And I can't tell you how many uh, experiences like that uh, I've I've heard about over the years. Yep. Uh, um, listen, if it's inconvenient for you, too bad. You know. That's right. Want to? If you want to save up money to to pay the money back, then then you know you're 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 not going to ever be free. You're not ever going to be able to walk down the road uh, knowing what true freedom is. You're always going to be in bondage to the things that you have not set right. That's a good, that's a really good, really good explanation. Yeah. There can only be one consideration which should qualify our desire for a complete disclosure of the damage we have done. That will arise in the occasional situation where to make a full revelation would seriously harm the one to whom we are making amends. Or, quite as important, other people. We cannot, for example, unload a detailed account of extramarital adventuring upon the shoulders of our unsuspecting wife or husband. And even in those cases where such a matter must be discussed, let's try to avoid harming third parties, whoever they may be. It does not lighten our burden when we recklessly make the crosses of others heavier. Many a razor-edged question can arise in other departments of life where the same principle is involved. Suppose, for instance that we have drunk up a good chunk of our firm's money, whether by borrowing on a heavily padded expense account. Uh, suppose that this may continue to go undetected if we say nothing. Do we instantly confess our irregularities to the firm and the practical certainty that we will be fired and become unemployable? Are we going to be so rightly rigid about making amends that we don't care what happens to the family and home? Or do we first consult those 
who are to be gravely affected? Do we lay the matter before our sponsor or spiritual advisor, earnestly asking God's help and guidance? Meanwhile, resolving to do the right thing when it becomes clear, cost what it may. I love that. Yeah. Do we, do we lay the matter before our sponsor or spiritual advisor, earnestly asking God's help and guidance? Meanwhile, resolving to do the right thing when it becomes clear, cost what it may. I love that as an instruction. That is really good. Of course, there is no pat answer which can fit in all such dilemmas, but all of them do require a complete willingness to make amends as fast and as far as may be possible in a given set of conditions. Above all, we should try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we are afraid. For the readiness to take the full consequences of our past acts and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time is the very spirit of Step 9. It's the very spirit of recovery, Monty. Once you've turned that corner and and the welfare of others are at, is, it, is at least as important as your own personal welfare, you have truly entered a, a state called recovered. Yeah, wow. It, you know, it, 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 it never ceases to amaze me, no matter how many times... Uh, I read the big book or the 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 twelve and twelve. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how how Bill uh, Bill W. His his he truly was a wordsmith. I mean, how he covered everything. I mean, every base is covered. You can't get away with anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you really read this stuff. Uh, if you try to make an exception here or there, he's got you, you know. You know, he, he always talked about the loopholes, the, 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 the drunk loopholes. He always talked about eliminating those where he possibly could. So he was very strategic in his writing and in the laying out of these steps. Uh, he, he doesn't leave a lot of margin for error. Now, these, these steps are spiritual steps. Okay, they're not mechanical. Right. They are of God. These steps are of God. They are not necessarily mechanical, but they do have instructions. And those instructions should be, uh, you should be paying attention to them. They're not actual laws, but they certainly are important instructions. And we, need, we definitely need to pay attention to them. But again, uh, we we need to know that this is a spiritual program. There's some latitude, there's some flexibility in the application of this stuff. You know, I, I've met people, Monty, I have met people who are so rigid that, like, if you don't do uh, a six-column fear inventory with a four-column resentment inventory with nine questions that need to be answered about, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the conduct inventory and, and lay it out like this and you, you need to do... Uh, you know, they're, they're so mechanical in it that I think sometimes they miss the spirit. These are spiritual steps. Now, you know, I've heard it described like this, and I, I like the way it's, it's described. Uh, uh, my friend up in, uh, in Minnesota describes it like this. He says, the big book and the 12 and 12 are the menu. You can starve to death reading a menu. Yet if you take the words and instead of just reading them, instead of just intellectually consuming them, if you put them into practical application, if you take those instructions and turn them into action, 
in your life, you can recover from alcoholism. But you can starve to death reading the menu. Mm -hmm. So, again, there are people that become so mechanical, and there are people who they become very didactic uh, about, you know, every word in the book, and what does this word mean, and what does that word mean? You, you have to remember that this is a spiritual program and not a mechanical one and, and, and not a linguistic one. Uh, you have to allow for God's grace in this, and you have to provide willingness. You have to provide putting one foot in front of the other. And, uh, and, and so, much, so much can happen when, when you do it that way. I, I want to before we close today. I, I want to uh, to say something about and, and get you to chime in on this too. Uh, and we have talked about this before. We talked about this at length in walking through the big book uh, series that we did. Uh, on page, eight, I believe it's page eighty three, eighty four, eighty three. I think it's eighty three uh, in the big book. Uh, it says, uh, "If we are painstaking about this phase of our development." We'll be amazed before we are halfway through. And we had talked about, in walking through the big book, what development were we were talking about. We were talking about the amends process and, and uh, uh, being halfway through with what? The amends list. And what a lot of folks do, and you and I have always agreed on this, is a lot of meetings will have the promises on the board. And it won't say the ninth-step promises even. It'll just say the promises. And a lot of people come into the meetings, they see that, and they think, wow, I don't get it. I've been coming to meetings now for three weeks, and none of these promises are coming true. Uh, well, there's promises in every step, I believe. And when we're talking about the ninth-step promises, they come as a result of being painstaking about what we just talked about here in this last uh, 45 minutes. You know, absolutely, uh, absolutely. The, the book again. We probably didn't talk about it enough. Where you can't talk about it enough. But yeah. the book where the instructions for the twelve steps uh, are located, uh, the the real instructions uh, is the book Alcoholics Anonymous. This book broadens and deepens the concepts and adds adds some some clarity and some uh, some language around uh, the experience. Uh, but uh, in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, there are a, there's a series of actions, and then there's series of promises after every action, and you can you can uh, you can watermark whether or not you've done uh, you've done a sufficient job on that particular step by asking yourself, have these promises come true? So, really, what the promises are is the promises are our barometer. Uh, that will measure your successful completion of those particular steps, or your your, your successful attempt at those steps. And uh, and the ninth step promises you hear all the time will know a new freedom and a new happiness. Will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door. And I, I think there's a lot of people in recovery who have those memorized, but they they truly don't understand what they are. Where they come from and when they're when they're going to materialize, and if and if they haven't done the ninth step and they think that those steps have materialized in their lives, they're 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 mistaken at least in the the effect of those those promises because if those promises have come true and they haven't made amends, you know then then they're feeling five percent of those 
of the of the available freedom in the and the available uh, benefits of those promises, uh, because those promises are in direct relation to the actions that precede them. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I haven't if I haven't done this, and I'm uh, the fear of financial instability has left me, then I, I'm probably in some form of denial, man. Because you know, if I owe everybody money under the sun, I got bounce checks out there at the liquor stores and all this kind of thing, and I, I'm still not concerned. And I haven't made the amends, and I'm I'm no longer concerned about uh, uh, those those things being harmful to me, credit wise, and everything else. There's something wrong. Yeah, uh, you know, I definitely, uh, I definitely would would uh, would agree with you. You know, so uh, so again, uh, again, these these steps need to be taken. Uh, they sure. need to actually be taken. And you, you know, in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, it covers every type of amends you can make. It covers uh, criminal amends. It covers uh, uh, intimate relationship amends. It covers uh, financial amends. It, it, it covers just being a horse's patoot. It covers the amends <laughs> that you need to make for the people that you've hated and you've you've held in such, you know, in such such a bad place in your heart uh, uh, for them. You know, you've just you've you've just detested these people. Those are people that need to be made amends to. And uh, uh, again, uh, the instructions are there. The experience of the steps are there, and. This is really what we're we're looking for, you know. In the twelve steps, Monty, Monty, as alcoholics or as drug addicts, there's something that we found in alcohol and something that we found in drugs that made us feel right with God in the universe, and that's what we chased. And it might have been the first time we did speed, or it might have been the first time we drank whiskey, or it might have been the first time we sniffed a line of cocaine or did heroin. You know, we chased that feeling of being one with man and God. We chased that for the rest of our lives because that's what we needed to feel complete. Mm -hmm. The great news about the 12 steps is they bring you holistically to that place which you have been searching your whole life to that place of being complete, of feeling at one with God and man. That's what the steps do. They offer you the buzz that you were looking for with booze or drugs. Mm. Well, wow, that's really well put, and that's exciting news, man. For people, yeah, for people like you and I, that is really exciting news. That's awesome stuff. I mean, who who doesn't want that? I mean, gee, who doesn't want the buzz. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. <laughs> Well, next week, we're going to take on step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly, underline that word, promptly, admitted it. Yeehaw. And uh, we'll be uh, carrying this journey on uh, <clears throat> even further until we get to the 12th step, and then we're going on to the uh, tradition. So, folks, look forward to that. Uh, don't forget, our email address here is take12radio.comcast.net. Uh, check us out on our Facebook and our Twitter as well. You can go to the bottom of, of most of our pages and click on those links. And don't forget to check out Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder as well here at Take12Radio.com. Thank you, Chris. Okay. 
All right. Hang on there, buddy, uh, while I close out. Uh, folks, hey, listen, I, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, listen, if, if you got a resentment today, the person you got it against probably isn't losing any sleep over it, you know? So uh, you may want to think about that because I want you to get rest and get a good night's sleep today, too. All right, my friends. Until next time, this is the Monty Man and Chris Schroeder wishing God's serenity for you. It's been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Yeah.